All right, this is the Big Kid Show. I am your host, Nick, and I want to welcome in each and every one of you wonderful people. And of course, we would like to thank you for stopping by to kick it, even if it's just for a little bit, with us here today. Also with us, I have two of your favorites, two members of the Big Kid Elite. And yes, I am talking about Mr. B and Mr. Mark. Cheers. Welcome, gentlemen. Welcome. Thank you, everyone. We welcome and we appreciate your applause. Today is going to be a fun one, and that's because today, boys and girls, big kids everywhere, we will be playing one of our most popular and most requested indoor recess games called Versus Mode. This is where we pick a topic and we have a showdown between some of our faves within that topic. And today's topic will be badass movie clips. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Aren't you glad you dropped by? I have chosen six movie clips that we will have pair off against one another in three rounds of fun. Now, this is two in the squared circle. The gloves are coming off, and the rules are no holds barred. Now, a little warning. Some of these clips are from movies rated in the letter R category. So if you are listening in the car and have young ones, it's time to go Vince Vaughn old school style and earmuff up. Or better yet, listen like I do at the gym or while drinking wine and cooking dinner. After each round, we will each cast our big kid vote to decide who the winner of each round is. In the first round, we have one of my absolute favorite actors of all time squaring off against himself this is denzel washington (laughs) versus denzel washington now denzel is everyone's hero right so he rarely gets to play the bad guy but in this versus round he's playing the role of a bad guy in each movie this is american gangster versus training day oh i was wondering if uh denzel would face himself so I don't know, just for the listeners out there, we knew what the clips were going to be, but we had no idea what the matchups were for today. So the fact that Denzel's facing off against himself, that's that's a serious showdown. That, those, are, those are some big boy clips right there. I'm kicking so. my own ass. <laughs> Get it on. All right, so the American Gangster clip, which was uh, Denzel Washington was playing Frank Lucas, which the clip, if anyone remembers, we'll we'll get to it here shortly. But he's having a conversation with all of his brothers about uh, being a somebody or nobody, and then strolls down to the street to greet a fellow drug salesman. <laughs> drug salesman, he makes it sound so official. <laughs> and this is often referred to as the somebody nobody clip, and yes. that he's telling his brothers basically how to be a good businessman in the business that he has chosen. And Frank Lucas was one of the best, unfortunately, at what he did. Most important thing in business is honesty, integrity, hard work, family. Never forgetting where we came from. Thank you, Sean. So you are what you are in this world. That's either one or two things. Either you're somebody or you're nobody. Be right back. Uh (laughs) Uh-oh. Look out, fellow drug salesperson. (laughs) I need these 
fresh. If I come back here and get you, you know what it is. Yes, sir. I hear you. You won't have to come back. It won't be no problem. What about you, Frank? Where's my money? Red Top gave you the package. He's supposed to be handing me my money. Here's a jar right here, 20%. Oh, you got the jar? That's right. <laughs> Get the fuck out of here, Frank. Oh, what you gonna do? What the fuck you gonna do, Frank? Huh? What you doing? Mm -hmm. You gonna shoot me in front of everybody? Huh? Come on. <laughs> Brains all over the sidewalk. It didn't get on the fruit. <laughs> there you go. Twenty percent. Ice cold though. Why he's doing this? Yeah. The, first not off, the, shaking, not nervous. The gun that he's carrying is completely badass. And second of all, what the listeners cannot see is he takes the jar after he kills the man on the street in front of hundreds of people, sets the jar next to him and actually leaves that man's 20% in the jar before taking the rest of the money that was owed to him. And according to Frank Lucas, that is what makes him a somebody instead of a nobody. Yeah. And if you remember, he walks back to the table where he's sitting with us and sits down. They've just, they all saw this. They opened the yeah. window. They're looking at, he sits down and it, like he says, all right, so what was I saying? <laughs> just super <laughs> casual. And I, yeah, so that scene, it's, you know, it's a short one, but super intense. Obviously, big kids don't condone murdering and shooting people in the head, but. Or the, the sales of drugs. Yeah, we're not into that. But. This, the cold way he plays this, you know, kind of street tough heroin dealer where, you know, I mean, even when you see these scenes with the guns to someone's head and you're like, all right, what's going to happen? And just like, boom, pulls the trigger in like two seconds. Just yeah, the fact that he actually did it. I mean, the guy's calling him out. And I mean, who's the guy that plays the other actors? Idris? Idris Elba. Idris Elba. I mean, he's like a big name. So yeah. you don't like when you get a guy like that, you don't think that type of character is just going to get whacked and taken off the, the movie and it's like yeah. nope gone <laughs> yeah so i, I yeah. love that clip and it just again it shows that if you watch the movie the kind of intensity denzel plays with frank lucas being this major heroin drug trafficker and you know i mean he's not worried of anybody saying anything there's hundreds yeah. of people out in the street scene and he's not worried who's gonna say something you know it's frank a packed lucas. street yeah that's yeah. crazy it's crazy he's selling blue magic that's the name yeah, of his magic. uh yeah his heroin <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, we can't we can't talk about one Denzel without talking about the other Denzel. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, if we're going to talk about Training Day, which, you know, obviously is an insanely good movie. Uh, we've covered it here on the Big Kid Show before. Mm -hmm. um, so in this one, he's playing Alonzo Harris. And I would say this is probably the most memorable scene in the entire movie, which is exactly why uh, it was picked for this wonderful event. Um, you know, and there basically is Alonzo Harris has this neighborhood that, you know, he's a cop and he's basically got everybody, um, you know, under his under his thumb in this entire neighborhood. So, right. So he gets free kind of whatever he wants. Um you know, he ends up uh, he basically makes a lot of enemies, but these guys don't really have a choice because he's a cop. So they kind of just have to go along with him. Um, and then Alonzo is trying to get his uh, 
Jake, who's played by Ethan Hawke, is his partner. He's trying to basically see how far he can push this guy to bend the rules because Alonzo Harris himself is not exactly a good Samaritan. Um, right. So what? with this <laughs> clip, um, yeah, what? With this clip, uh, Alonzo Harris basically sets him up to be killed, his partner Jake, and Jake escapes and confronts him, and it spills out into the street in front of the entire neighborhood. Um, and Alonzo, well, he has a few choice words to say the least. Let's roll the clip. Viewer discretion is advised. Oh, you motherfuckers. <laughs> okay. All right. I'm putting cases on all you bitches. Huh? You think you can do this shit? Jay! You think you can do this to me? You motherfuckers will be playing basketball in Pelican Bay when I get finished with you. Shoe program, nigga. 23-hour lockdown. I'm the man up in this piece. You'll never see the light of day. Who the fuck you think you fucking with? I'm the police. I run shit here. You just live here. Yeah, that's right. You better walk away. Go and walk away, because I'm going to burn this motherfucker down. King Kong ain't got shit on me. <laughs> yeah. And then everyone decides to leave. That's right. That's right. Shit. I don't fuck. I'm winning anyway. I'm winning. I'm winning any motherfucking way. I can't lose. Shit, you Big, can shoot Big me. Nick says this to himself every day. But you can't kill me. <laughs> Looking in the mirror. I mean, that is just like... Can't lose. It's such a raw scene. I remember the first time I saw that movie and was just like blown away by that that scene. Um and the funny thing is, so the the obviously the the big line in that one is the King Kong ain't got shit on me. Mm-hmm. He actually improvised that line in the heat of the moment. That wasn't even in the script. And that was that's the key. one that like is probably one of the strongest lines of almost the whole movie. Um, and even the scene where he kind of rubs the two handguns together as a threat, you know, it's another piece that he improvised. That's just Denzel, man. He's such a good actor and he's such good at, does such a good job of getting into the character. Um, you know, it's, um, it's big time. So, well, I'll tell you what, go ahead, big Nick. I'll tell you what, uh, when I watch this movie, Every movie up to this point that Denzel's been in, I'm cheering and rooting for Denzel Washington and his character. <laughs> this movie, Not the first time movie. I saw it, I saw it at home, and I'm sitting on the edge of my couch by the, this point, and I'm going, shoot him. Somebody kill him. <laughs> Somebody please kill him. Kill One this One of the man. gang members has a gun pointed at him like during yeah. the, the thing, and then he just ends up, you can tell they almost just feel like, like apathy for the guy, like, eh, and they just kind of walk away, you know? I mean, exactly. and you, and you hear like Denzel Washington's like, I mean, that's what I think makes him a great actor. You see like this anger and fear all at the same time. Yeah. Cause he's, you know, he's mad that, you know, he pretty much knows the gigs up, not looking good. And he's scared of what that means. I'm yep. still trying to be tough. And I, I just, that was what made it so powerful for me. I mean, it wasn't just a guy yelling cause he was mad cause he was scared. Yes. You know? right. Yeah, yeah so you I just, can tell. You can and tell. that's what, again, when you're, you're trying to show multiple 
emotions in a scene. And I, I would love to know how much he improvised in that. I'm sure there was a script, but he probably just, they said, dude, do your thing. He's, he's yeah. even spitting when he's yelling and talking. I mean, it's just, I'm sure when he got done, the, all the crew were just like applauding. Goes, dude, you just nailed that buddy. That was it. Yeah, so Absolutely. So that leaves us with a tough decision here, gents. Well, don't forget, he won Best best Actor that year for yeah. his role in Training Day. So Much deserved. Let's go ahead and start the voting here, gentlemen. Mr. B, let's start with you, American Gangster versus Training Day. So as much as I loved both, I love both of them. I mean, again, I, the research team forced these things down our throats. We watched a bunch of them. <laughs> and the, the American Gangster scene to me was so raw and unexpected but i still i think my vote's got to go training day just because of his his performance honestly i mean it's mm -hmm. a solo performance and just like we just said with showing all that emotion um my vote's got to go training day all right mark that brings us to you american gangster versus training day a little bad denzel versus bad denzel what say you yeah, I mean, the training day is like chock full of emotion and a bunch of different things going on at one time. Whereas I feel like American Gangster is just like the Johnny Cool, oh, like ice cold, shaken. Like, I mean, he's just sitting at the table. He dumps out the thing of salt and you're like, what in the hell is he doing with that jar? Oh, and then he takes it with him and sets it next to the guy oh, and so, puts his money in there after I, he's dead. Like, I mean, oh. that, that Mark, good point. That even shows he planned on doing that. Yeah, like, yeah. Like, I mean, he, I mean he's, ta he's talking with his family or his brothers. He's pouring that sugar out with the jar. He's like, and he's like, I'll be right back. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> like, I'm, I'm going like to go shoot a guy in the head. Cold-blooded. And the fact that he didn't see it coming, you know, was crazy. Um, man, this is a tough. I, so as I'm with you, Mr. B. As much as I love American Gangster, Training Day takes it. I just, I think that scene is just so iconic. Th that to me may be one of the best Denzel scenes of his career like honestly i just think there's so much emotion and there's so much going on especially the way that that movie ramps up to that moment and the how he shits on all those people in that neighborhood for so long yep. and how like you have so much hate and disgust for him and then the fact that it culminates in that scene at the end is too perfect so i, I think i gotta go training day oh we got two oh here big nick what's the deciding factor well, and I'll tell you what, I you think <laughs> I'm, your, your, yeah, vote, I'm, your votes were three. <laughs> yeah, I'm going I'm going to go with you guys here on this one. I think from start to finish, American Gangster probably has better scenes. If we if we're going to go with, you know, multiple scenes that would be in the top tier. But this training day scene is just it's the exclamation mark, right? It's the it's the whole climax. The movie is slowly building to this very point. And like I said, edge of my couch i mean yeah. he he's spitting when he's talking he's crying he's sweating i was crying and sweating and spitting them <laughs> on my couch there was a lot going on and so yes i have to go with training day for the win that's a quick Ooh. three to nothing training day over over american gangster that, and it, it a sweep doesn't really uh sum it up well because it's like man it, it is close with that american mm -hmm. gangster clip yeah but and it's something it where i mean obviously we're a podcast so we encourage you guys to i mean a lot of these clips you can easily find by just typing in american gangster somebody or nobody and yep. watch these clips because the audio is one thing seeing it is a whole different thing but absolutely yeah. I, I love that we're we're all on the same page there. 
And while we're only playing the audio for everybody out there in listener land, obviously we're voting off of the whole masterpiece itself, the audio and the visual. All right, round one is in the books there, big kids. Let's move on to round two. And in round two, we have a little bit of the same flavor, but a completely different tasting table, if you will. We have Quentin Tarantino <laughs> Executioner versus Quentin Tarantino Executioner with Inglorious Bastards versus Pulp Fiction. <laughs> now, I'm going to set yeah. this one up a little bit here first there, big kids, because what we have here is... One of Quentin Tarantino, you know, his movies are every movie of his. He's got people killing other people, right? That's just what he does in his movies. There are people killing other people. But in these two scenes, what we have are probably two of his best executioners uh, in any Quentin Tarantino movie facing off against each other. Inglorious Bastards versus Pulp Fiction. And Inglorious Bastards, if if you have not seen this movie, this is a must-see. It's from 2009, and it's a war film. And Tarantino, I feel like every film he does, he does a like an old-style film that, that you'd want to see, right? Like a, a gangster film, a war film, a spaghetti western. You know, he's kind of dipped his toe in every pool out there. And with this movie, it's fun because it's Americans and it's it's Jewish Americans killing Nazis. And that's what the movie is about. And it's fighting back and it's taking the power back and stopping Everybody these terrible Nazis. That. So <laughs> some people are going to be a little surprised, right? Because on an earlier Big Kids show, we had mentioned what would be the better of the two scenes, the opening scene of Pulp Fiction in Brent's apartment or the opening scene with the Jew Hunter in Inglorious Bastards where they're drinking the milk at the guy's table in France. Well, unfortunately, we're not going to get to see those two scenes square off against each other today because in review of those two scenes, one of them is almost entirely in French. And so it just doesn't play out well on this podcast. So we Do you went think with our the, listeners are not versed in French, yeah, Big Nick? We, we, we have hundreds don't, don't of French them, followers. <laughs> <laughs> I apologize. Well, Nick, Big Nick would not be able to understand. So Yeah, yeah, there you go. <laughs> uh, so instead, we are going to go with the Brad Pitt scene where he's basically telling everybody what it is that they're going to be doing and what it is that he is very good at and what he expects out of everybody in his unit. And and this, to me, is reminiscent of The Dirty Dozen. So mm -hmm. play that beautiful bean footage. My name is Lieutenant Aldo Rain, and I'm putting together a special team, and I need me eight soldiers. Eight Jewish American soldiers. Now, y'all might have heard rumors about the Armada happening soon. Well, we'll be leaving a little earlier. We're going to be dropped into France, dressed as civilians. Once we're in enemy territory, as a bushwhacking guerrilla army, we're going to be doing one thing and one thing only. Killing Nazis. Now, I don't know about y'all, but I sure as hell didn't come down from the goddamn Smoky Mountains, cross 5,000 miles of water, fight my way through half of Sicily, and jump out of a fucking aeroplane to teach the Nazis <laughs> lessons in humanity. Nazi ain't got no humanity. They're the foot soldiers of a Jew-hating, mass-murdering maniac, and they need to be destroyed. Destroyed? That's why any and every bitch we find wearing a Nazi uniform, they're gonna die. 
Now, I'm the direct descendant of the mountain man Jim Bridger. That means I got a little engine in me. And our battle plan will be that of an Apache resistance. We will be cruel to the Germans. And through our cruelty, they will know who we are. And they will find the evidence of our cruelty in the disemboweled, dismembered, and disfigured bodies of their brothers we leave behind us. And the German won't be able to help themselves. But imagine the cruelty their brothers endured at our hands. And our boot heels. And the edge of our knives. And the German will be sickened by us. And the German will talk about us. And the German will fear us. And when the German closes their eyes at night, and they're tortured by their subconscious for the evil they have done, it will be with thoughts of us that they are tortured with. Sound good? Yes, sir! <laughs> yes, sir. I'll tell you what. Like it's the temp from the office. But I got a word yeah. of warning for all you would-be warriors. When you join my command, you take on debit. A debit you owe me, personally. Each and every man under my command owes me 100 Nazi scalps. And I want my scalps. And all y'all will get me 100 Nazi scalps, taken from the heads of 100 dead Nazis. Or you will die trying. Is that how people in the Smoky Mountains talk? Or did Brad Pitt just make that up? Because it, he has this Nazis. ability to, to just take on a role and really make it his own, like carve out his own little his own yeah. little part in the movie. And, and he does it so well that you, you got to believe, like, he's got to be in character from morning to, to, to night. Right. I mean, he sells that so well. What the listeners can't see, he's got some kind of gnarly scar on his neck that yeah. looks like he he's had some bad times. Um, but uh, I, I love the the motivational speech of of, <laughs> of the sergeant there. And hey, how do you fight fire with fire? How do you fight a complete psychopath in his army? With psychopaths. With psychopaths. With, with Brad Pitt and uh, his eight. Uh, <laughs> You will get me 100 Nazi scalps. <laughs> yeah, he does a great job with that one, man. That's uh, that's good stuff. There we go. And that one will be squaring off against Pulp Fiction. So the apartment scene, which most people know, it's one of the earliest scenes in the film um, where uh, Jules, played by Samuel L. Jackson, and Vincent Vega, played by John Travolta, go to this apartment to collect the, the briefcase, right? Mm -hmm. And that scene ensues. Um, and this one is just, I know it's one we've talked about a lot before. It's got a bunch of great quotes. And so we will just, we'll hit it. The whole thing's a quote. Hey, kids. How you boys doing? Hey, keep chilling. <laughs> keep chilling. Hey, flock of seagulls. I can't watch this without laughing. You know who we are? <laughs> Immediately. We're associates of your business partner, Marcellus Wallace. You do remember your business partner, don't you? Now, let me take a wild guess here. You're Brett, right? Yeah. I thought so. You remember your business partner, Marcellus Wallace, don't you, Brett? Yeah, I remember. Good. Looks like me and Vincent caught you boys at breakfast. Sorry about that. What you <laughs> having? Hamburgers. Hamburgers! 
The cornerstone of any nutritious breakfast. What kind of hamburgers? Ch ch cheeseburgers. No, 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 no. Where'd you get them? McDonald's, Wendy's, Jack in the Box, where? Uh, Big Kahuna Burger. Big Kahuna Burger? That's that Hawaiian burger joint. I hear they got some tasty burgers. I ain't never had one myself. How are they? Good. You mind if I try one of yours? This is yours here, right? Yeah. It does look like a good burger. Mm-hmm. This is a tasty burger. I was right. Vincent, you ever had a big kahuna burger? Want a bite? They're real tasty. Ain't hungry. Well, if you like burgers, give them a try sometime. Me? I can't usually get them because my girlfriend's a vegetarian, which pretty much makes me a vegetarian. But I do love the taste of a good burger. Mm. <laughs> you know what they call a quarter pound of a cheese in France? No. Tell them, Vincent. Royale with cheese. Royale with cheese. You know why they call it that? I love his that Royale with cheese. Yeah, he's just looking for some heroin. Because of the metric system? Check out the big brain on bread. You're a smart motherfucker. That's right. <laughs> the metric system. Send this. Sprite. Sprite, good. You mind if I have some of your tasty beverage to wash this down? Go right ahead. He's so polite. That's how I drink my soda. <sighs> One big gulp. And hit the spot. You, flock of seagulls. You know why we're here? <laughs> Won't you tell my man Vince where you got your shit here? It's over there. It's I don't remember asking you a goddamn thing. That's right, son. Cold as ice. You were saying? It's in the cupboard. No, no, the one by your knees. We still don't know what's in that briefcase. Nobody knows. We happy? Yeah, we happy. Vincent Vega oh. knows. I'm sorry. Uh, I I didn't get your name. I got yours, uh, Vincent. Right? But but I, I never got your My name. name's Pitt. And your ass ain't talking your way out of this shit. No, no, no. I just want you to know. I just want you to know how sorry we are that, that things got so fucked up with us and, and Mr. Wallace. When we, we got into this thing with the best intentions, really. I never... Oh, shit. Oh, I'm sorry. Did I break your concentration? A <laughs> little bit. I didn't mean to do that. Please, continue. You were saying something about best intentions? What's the matter? Oh, you were finished? Oh, well, allow me to retort. What does Marcellus Wallace look like? What? What country are you from? What? what? What ain't no country I ever heard of. They speak English and what? <laughs> what? English, motherfucker, do you speak it? Yes. 
then you know what I'm saying. Describe what Marcellus Wallace looks like. What? Say what again. Say what again. I dare you. I double dare you, motherfucker. Say what one more goddamn time. He's black. Go on. He's bald. Does he look like a bitch? What? Does he look like a bitch? No! Then why you try to fuck him like a bitch, Brett? <laughs> yes, you did. Yes, you did, Brett. You tried to fuck him. My Marcellus Wallace don't like to be fucked by anybody except Mrs. Wallace. You read the Bible, Brett? Yes. Well, there's this passage I got memorized. Sort of fits this occasion. Ezekiel 25, 17. The path of the righteous man is beset on all sides by the inequities of the selfish and the tyranny of evil men. Blessed is he who in the name of charity and goodwill shepherds the weak through the valley of darkness, for he is truly his brother's keeper and the finder of lost children. And I will strike down upon thee with great vengeance and furious anger those who attempt to poison and destroy my brothers and you will know my name is the, is the lord, lord when i lay my vengeance upon thee this is like the american gangster scene a little bit where these guys they know they're in trouble but i don't think that they know that they're dead men by the end of the scene and yeah, it, it, it's it, again, we've talked about this, so I don't want to I don't, I don't want to keep uh, going in circles here. But the 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 characters in the Tarantino movies, I love them all because they have this arrogance, this strange politeness to them. They're all like killers. They're all foul mouthed, uh, horrible individuals, but likable in some weird, strange way. Like they have all these terrible qualities but you like them. I mean, the Jules character is one of my favorite characters in any movie. Exactly. Now you said it perfectly. We've talked about that. It's like this politeness before, like, I already know what I'm going to do to you. And, you know, you can kind of see the buildup of being polite, polite, and then shut the hell up. And I'm controlling this thing and knowing we're going to shoot you anyways. So well, I think I, this I, is the, the part where Brett, you know, he's talking to her. You could tell he like, he's like, I got your name, but I didn't get your name. You can tell. And then Samuel Jackson immediately picks up on it. Like, you're not going to talk your way out of this. Right. And the guy tries anyway. and he Pulls out his gun and shoots his buddy laying on the couch. Oh, I'm sorry. Did I break your cut? Like, totally like nonchalant. Like, oh, sorry. Like he spilled a drink. You know what I mean? And I think that's the thing about this scene to me that stands out is like, Samuel Jackson's nonchalantness about the fact that they just come in and assassinate a bunch of dudes in, in an apartment but, is just like uncanny and, and eating his burger, drinking his entire soda. Like it's a dick move. <laughs> it's yeah. It's like, it's such underhanded disrespect. But then at the end you, you come to realize like, it doesn't matter because these guys ain't finishing their own burgers anyway. <laughs> Yeah. Well, and he's like polite about asking if he can have some of the burger or the drink, even exactly. though he knows that the other guy is in no position to say no at all. So like being exactly. polite is just more smugness to it. Like just like a, a way to, move, really. it's a way to rub his nose in it a little yeah. bit. And it, here, all right, as mysterious as that briefcase or whatever is in the briefcase is, 
is also can you get a big can you get a big Kahuna burger at seven in the morning? Because remember, they check their watch before they go into the apartment, and it's like seven twelve. They're waiting for a very specific time for some reason. All right, yeah. Well, we are. Which not is interesting. For. That, well, one quick thing, Big Nick. One thing that always threw me off about this is, yeah, you're right. They check their watch, but like nobody. I, I never thought about eating a hamburger at seven a.m. So like every time I see it, I'm like, that's such an odd breakfast choice. You know, those guys know. have been so, up all night. Weird oddity. Yeah, yeah, seriously. Plotting and scheming Plotting. against Marce- Marcellus Wallace. All they right. didn't mean anything by it, and they're really sorry for how things got they fucked are, up they and have, out of hand. They had, the, <laughs> they had the best of intentions. Best of intentions. Mark, why don't you tell us about your intentions? Give us a vote here. Pulp Fiction versus Inglorious <laughs> Bastards. Mr. <sighs> Brad Pitt getting ready to do do some put the fear of God into the Nazis. And, of course, Jules. Mr. Samuel L. Jackson quoting God right before he uh, pulls the trigger. So inaccurate quoting because I I actually looked it up. That's not the uh, exact quote from the Bible, but it sounds more badass. (laughs) Samuel Jackson would disagree. He wrote the Bible. No, I'm just kidding. Um, So, man, Nick, you got some heavy hitters here. And like this is like a heavyweight bout, man. Honestly, like the first two matchups, even the first one being in a sweep, like, whoo. That wasn't a TKO. That was 10-round decision, you know what I mean? So I I love Brad Pitt as an actor. I think he's he is an amazing actor. He's been in a ton of good movies. This movie in particular um, blew me away. Um, and, man, I would almost argue that maybe I like Inglorious Bastards as a movie better than Pulp Fiction, barely. Man, they're, they're neck and neck. Uh, but I got to give it to Samuel Jackson on this one. He's just too money. I think this scene is too iconic. And I think I never could picture if you talked about like pitching a screenplay and you said, I'm going to have two guys walk into an apartment. One guy's going to be laying on the couch. Another one's going to have a burger and a drink. And I'm going to make this one of the most entertaining scenes of the entire movie. I would tell you you're out of your mind. I would yeah. say you're crazy. There's there's no way. Especially yeah, I, with all the other stuff that happens in this movie. <laughs> so the, the, the big kid research team got me my hands on the script for that scene. And if you read through it, obviously there's some improvis- improvisation. But as you read through it, as you read through it, it's just like Samuel Jackson makes the script come alive. Because as, right. like, yeah. as you read through it, you're like, all right, it's kind of good. Versus Samuel Jackson's like, nope, I'm going to thump this role in the head and just destroy it. So, <laughs> well, and yeah, you can I, tell that he has and, and, and has a lot of experience on on the stage and in play acting. Right when you see that scene, because the way that he kind of walks around that room and commands the the, the center stage and the spotlight in that room with all of those other people in that room. And he's very, he's very directed himself. He's, he's directing himself as he's going through that role and he's commanding the spotlight, commanding the room and really kind of with his movements and his eyes and his fingers where he points and and such and his hands, he's really kind of directing everybody else in that room along with him. So it's, it's some of the finest acting I've ever seen in any scene. And, you know, to, to flip it to the other side, maybe there's some people out there that, you know, 
don't enjoy the premise of inglorious bastards and killing off Nazis, but I don't know. I, there's well, not that many would be things. The Nazis, can, Mark. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so you know, hopefully, there's not many of them around anymore. You know, I'm not naive, but I, I think it's a the, the Brad Pitt scene. It's a scene you can get behind, and you can be like, yeah, like a hundred scat. Like, you know what I mean? You can kind of cheer for it, and you can kind of root for it. But I, I got to give it to Sam Jackson. All right, Mr. B, what say you? It's a quick decision for me. It's Pulp Fiction, uh, the apartment scene. And that might be one of my favorite scenes of all time. I mean, like, I, I, think I, I think I could put it in the top 10 of some of my favorite movie scenes, just in terms of the quotability. I don't know how many times I say, say what again? I just I yell that <laughs> at people randomly. So um, Get the big brains on brain. And, and I encourage our listeners, you know, if you do watch the clip, the – Samuel Jackson's eyes. Just watch his eyes. I mean, they they're like an intimidating eye presence that I've kind of noticed. I was like, man, he has like I feel like I make good eye contact. Oh, he like murderous eye contact. <laughs> the scene where he's sipping the guy's soda, he does not break eye contact with that guy, and he is just like lasered in on him, like yeah. lasered in. That's how I drink my sprite. <laughs> so uh, I, I gotta I gotta weigh in here as well, guys, and I'm gonna go with both of you. And I and I wanna echo something that Mark said. If I were going to choose of these two movies right now, which one to sit down and watch, I would probably pick Inglorious Bastards. It, Mark's right. There's more to cheer for in that movie. There's more to get behind. Uh, mm-hmm. Pulp Fiction is just a crazy messed up movie, messed up situation after messed up situation. But I, I I think, I think Mr. B is absolutely right. I think this is one of the most iconic scenes out of the 1990s. And it would be difficult for it to, to not uh, have it beat out the Brad Pitt scene from inglorious bastards. A couple of things I want to hit on though. You said, say what again, I cannot stop myself, you know, Friday after work, I, I like to go to the bar and I have a couple drinks, right? And when I after I have two drinks, when I hear somebody saying what or they can't hear somebody because the music's loud, they go, what? I immediately jump in with the say what again? Like <laughs> even if I don't know the person and it's created some really interesting experiences in my time. And then it's been in a lot of fist fights. <laughs> yeah. Another thing that I've been in a lot of, uh, I've also found myself on, on the floor of a bar many times uh, from those fist fights. But uh, another thing that I've been in a lot of is fantasy football leagues. And back in the day, there used to be a receiver with the name Mike Wallace. And every time he was drafted, oh, yeah. somebody in our league would go into the Marcellus Wallace Jewel speech out of Brent's apartment. Uh, and so I miss that. Mike Wallace, please come back to the league just so that I can experience that one day a year every year. All right. I love the fact that at the end of that, he throws in when he's talking about Marcellus Wallace, what does he look like? And he doesn't like being fucked. He doesn't like being fucked by anybody. Except for Mrs. Wallace. Except for Mrs. Wallace. <laughs> yeah, to throw that in at the end. That's, that's very key. <laughs> Another landslide. Another Man. landslide. It's sweeps week here at the Big Kids Show. Sweep after sweep. This takes us into round three. And for this, for this bout here, what we have is a 1992 Academy nominated for Best Picture Versus a 1992 Academy nominated for Best Picture. Oh, yeah, that's right. Neither of these movies won Best Picture for 1992. 
It was Clint Eastwood's Unforgiven that won the best picture. But today, we'll decide that. <laughs> yeah. I think these two movies were better, in my opinion. But what do I know? And I don't have a vote at the Academy. But we. Hey, Big Nick, re- recently I was added to the Academy for voting. So I'll. Yeah. My, my vote was revoked. Yeah. So. If you can get me an in over there um, now that I know somebody, know tell them what a good guy I am. Yeah. I will. I got your back. That's right. Tell them my uh, my bar fight stories. But uh, we have a few good men squaring off against scent of a woman. Ah, hua, hua. <laughs> a few good men. So this movie, to me, like overall as a movie, is I think it's fair to say probably one of the best movies I've ever seen. Like, and it's I a think. Good movie. You know, when it came out, obviously I was um, a little bit younger. I saw A Few Good Men way before I saw Son of a Woman. Um, I don't know about you guys, but there was a pretty big gap actually before I got to see Son of a Woman. Um, But the scene in A Few Good Men to set it up is, again, like just, man, heavy weights. I mean, we've got Jack Nicholson who needs no introduction who in this scene is facing off against Tom Cruise and it's a young Tom Cruise. I mean, he's definitely, you know, not, not the seasoned veteran that he is now. And like everything culminates. So if you haven't seen this movie, there's a lot of, um, a lot of issues going on with a, a guy who basically gets killed by other soldiers or something called a code red, which, uh, Jack Nicholson's accused of, of ordering, and this scene is the courtroom scene where Tom Cruise basically is trying to get him to admit it at the risk of being in contempt of court because he's accusing a high officer of lying, um, yeah. which is not a, a minor thing. I mean, you get kicked out for that. And, the, <laughs> well, and keep that, in- the, the scene obviously builds up to like, you know, you almost you have to watch the movie to understand the intensity of the scene because there's like so much writing on this last part of the trial. So. Yeah. You, kind of like Training that, Day, where yeah. it, it definitely there's yeah. there's a lot of buildup. You said um, it right, Mark. Yeah, but um, but yeah, these two go back and forth, and uh, well, you know what? Let's just let uh, Tom and Jack speak for themselves. A moment ago, you said that you ordered Lieutenant Kendrick to tell his men that Santiago wasn't to be touched. That's right. And Lieutenant Kendrick was clear on what you wanted. Crystal. Any chance Lieutenant Kendrick ignored the order? Ignored the order. Any chance he forgot about Ignores it? the order? No. Any chance Lieutenant Kendrick left your office and said, the old man is wrong? No. When Lieutenant Kendrick spoke to the platoon and ordered them not to touch Santiago, any chance they ignored him? You ever served in an infantry unit, son? No, sir. Ever served in a forward area? No, sir. Ever put your life in another man's hands? Asked him to put his life in yours? No, sir. We follow orders, son. We follow orders or people die. It's that simple. Are we clear? Yes, sir. Are we clear? Crystal. Colonel, I have just one more question before I call Airman O'Malley and Airman Rodriguez. If you gave an order that Santiago wasn't to be touched, and your orders are always followed, And why would Santiago be in danger? Why would it be necessary to transfer him off the base? 
Santiago was a substandard Marine. He was being transferred... That's not what you said. You said he was being transferred because he was in grave danger. That's correct. You said he was in danger. I said grave danger. You said, is there any... I recall what I said. I can have the court reporter read back to you. I know what I said. I don't have to have it read back to me like I'm... Why the two orders? Colonel? Sometimes men take matters into their own hands. No, sir. You made it clear just a moment ago that your men never take matters in their own hands. Your men follow orders or people die. So Santiago shouldn't have been in any danger at all, should he have, Colonel? You snotty little bastard. Your Honor, I'd like to ask for a recess. I'd like an answer to the question, Judge. The court will wait for an answer. If Lieutenant Kendrick gave an order that Santiago wasn't to be touched, then why did he have to be transferred? Colonel? Lieutenant Kendrick ordered the code red, didn't he? Because that's what you told Lieutenant Kendrick to do. Object! And when it went bad, you cut these guys loose! Your Honor, you had Marcus inside the phony transfer! Your Honor, you doctored the logbook! Damn it, Captain! You coerced the doctor! Consider yourself in contempt! Colonel Jessup, did you order the code red? You don't have to answer that question. I'll answer the question. You want answers? I think I'm entitled to You want answers! I want the truth! You can't handle the truth! Damn! Son, we live in a world that has walls, and those walls have to be guarded by men with guns. Who's gonna do it? You? You, Lieutenant Weinberg? I have a greater responsibility than you can possibly fathom. You weep for Santiago, and you curse the Marines. You have that luxury. You have the luxury of not knowing what I know. That Santiago's death, while tragic, probably saved lives. And my existence, while grotesque and incomprehensible to you, saves lives. You don't want the truth because deep down in places you don't talk about at parties. You want me on that wall. You need me on that wall. We use words like honor, code, loyalty. We use these words as the backbone of a life spent defending something. You use them as a punchline. I have neither the time nor the inclination to explain myself to a man who rises and sleeps under the blanket of the very freedom that I provide and then questions the manner in which I provide it. I would rather you just said thank you and went on your way. Otherwise, I suggest you pick up a weapon and stand a post. Either way, I don't give a damn what you think you are entitled to. Damn. Did you order the code red? I did the job. Did you order the code red? You're goddamn right I did. <laughs> oh, man. Tell Holy me, like, moly. I just get, like, goosebumps watching that and listening to that, man. Oh. Nicholson just is on his A point there. Not I mean, human. I, I would have loved to, again, see the, after that scene, like, the crew. I mean, they probably just would have been like, holy shit, what did we just see? So funny you mentioned that. So I've got to read this to you guys. The Big Kid Research team, as always, knocking it out of the park. So Kiefer Sutherland, who played one of the um, one of the scenes or one of the, uh, the Marines in Marine, this movie, yeah. um, he commented on the filming of this specific scene. And I'm going to read you his quote. It's a little lengthy. Um, but I, I got to read this to you guys because I think you'll appreciate it. So he said, the only time I ever saw actors on a day off come to work was the two of them squaring off for the you can't handle the truth scene. I remember coming in and I sit down somewhere in the courtroom. I look over and I see Bruce Willis, who's not even working on the movie. He's sitting <laughs> in the gallery. People were coming from everywhere. 
They start and the coverage is on Jack Nicholson and they do it from top to bottom. The entire scene, it required a 1200 foot mag back in the days when we used film and it literally went from end to end and he knocked it out of the park. Not a slight hesitation, not an uncomfortable moment or trying to dip your toe into the scene to see if the water's fine. This guy went for it. He took a full on baseball swing and he knocked it out of the park. I'd never seen a a set that quiet in my life. All the oxygen had been sucked out of the room and no one was moving. The scene was scheduled for two or three days of filming and director Rob Reiner said, it's never going to get any better than that. So we wrapped. Never seen it happen. And I've I've also never seen a gallery of cast and crew give an ovation. And it was to both of them, Nicholson and Cruz. So basically... And I, like I said, it's a long quote, but it was worth it because I think that just summed up exactly what you guys just said. I mean, they did, they one took that. That's yeah. a one take. And they had done two, they had allotted two or three days for filming that. And they just crushed it like the very first go and got a standing ovation at the end of it. That's insane. Yeah, like, that's it, insane. And that's the difference between there's good actors, there's great actors, and then there's the actors. Yes. Yes. Yeah. That's why this movie, this is an older one, you know, 1992. So maybe a lot of the listeners have not seen it. They, I'm sure everybody knows the scene, right? It's it's one of the most iconic scenes. (laughs) This is a must watch movie because the, the casting from top to bottom is just phenomenal. There's so many great actors, actresses in this movie. And this is a weird scene because I feel like when I was watching it for the first time and even every single time since then, I'm rooting for both of them, like the good guy and the bad guy. It's, (laughs) you know, because it's not clear at the start of the scene who the bad guy is. And, and Cruz is, his character is going after a first at first he's accusing another high-ranking officer of ordering the Code Red that would have fallen under uh, the command of Jack's character. Yeah. And so he his he's an attorney, cruises, and he knows that, oh, if I can if I can start to play the power card, if I can question mm-hmm. his authority, then then Jack's character will give himself up and he yeah. will admit to it because he he will not let anybody else have the authority. And it's as soon as it's amazing because it's almost like it happened in real life. Like you're watching real life. That's how good the acting is. When Cruz looks at Jack's character and says, crystal, it's almost like it went off. The light bulb went off in his head. He's like, I got you. I got you. Yeah. I'm just a couple questions away from you giving yourself up and being obedient, but like he's obedient in a way of, I'm about to pull the rug out from underneath you. Like it's, it's such a brilliant, um, it's a, such a brilliant way of doing it. Um, no, you're, you're absolutely right. Big Nick. I mean, the whole scene is crazy. I, a few quick things I'll throw in. Um, so Nicholson made 5 million for 10 days of shooting that movie. That's not a bad day's yeah, work. He's That's a not supporting a bad character. He's a, yeah. so people that have never seen this movie, they don't know yeah. because they've only seen the scene or heard this scene. The, He's a supporting character. He's yeah, in a very yeah. small portion of the movie. He was, he was Kevin like Bacon's third, fantastic in this movie. Yeah, he was like the yes, third or fourth build actor on it, if I yeah. remember right, mm-hmm. which was odd. But but again, it shows you like we've talked about this. There's not small roles, just small actors. Like yeah, I mean, he took his small role, and he's like, I'm going to dominate it, which he did. I mean, I oh, believe. Just, yeah, I mean, you don't need to be on screen all the time. When you are, do it. Make do it, it right. count. And yeah. he did. And and here's the craziest thing to me. So 
the original line that was supposed to be in there was actually, so he says, you can't handle the truth. It was actually, you already have the truth. Mm. And he changed it on the fly during that recording. And I, I mean, obviously we don't know what it would have sounded like the other way, but man, I mean, it, what a, what an impromptu switch around because that and became one of the it's much like it's much pinnacle the lines it yeah. of but that I, entire thing. I think most of the best roles it's improvisation because it's, you're in the scene, you're feeling it, you're letting it fly. Yeah. You're not just reading off a page. And that's, that's what I think. If you could like pull up the original script and probably follow along, these guys jump off script quick because they're they're now they're acting. They're not reading and remembering. They're like, I'm in the role. Yeah. I'm I'm an attorney. I'm interviewing you. You're a general. Let's roll. So yep, absolutely now, awesome. What's amazing, and not to take anything away from the great Clint Eastwood or the movie Unforgiven, which is incredibly good, which won Best Picture for the 1992 films, but. You watch A Few Good Men and you go, how the hell did this not win Best Picture? And then you exactly. watch this other movie, Scent of a Woman, and you go, how the hell did this not win Best Picture? And you find out that they're in the same year. And so, I, I mean, you talked about which movie you saw first now. I would have been about 12 years old when both of these came out on cable, yeah. right, on HBO or Showtime. And around 12, I was old enough that I could ask mom and dad, hey, can I watch this R-rated movie? And sometimes, most of the time, they were saying no at the age of 12. But sometimes they would say yes. And both of these I was allowed to watch. Now, I watched Scent of a Woman first. And I'll re I remember it because <laughs> my mother, when I asked if I could watch Scent of a Woman, my mother said no. And my father says, no, you let him watch that. That's <laughs> no to you, woman. He goes, he goes that there is, that by, is by a real mom. man, Nick. That is a real man right there, Nick. You watch that movie. You grew up to be just like him. So um, I, I love this movie. I love both of these movies, hey, but I saw Scent we, of a Woman first. And we thank bigger, bigger, big Nick, <laughs> Papa Nick. <laughs> yeah, Papa Nick. One, one last fun fact I got to throw out about uh, A Few Good Men, because this blew me away. So Lieutenant uh, Sam Weinberg, who's played by Kevin Pollack in, in this film, you guys have any idea who else was uh, who who was the leading uh, actor to be cast and then ended up getting uh, it couldn't do it because his show got renewed for another season. That would be one. If you're familiar, Nick, you might be familiar with Seinfeld. I don't know. Uh, George Costanza oh, was yeah. in line to play Lieutenant Weinberg, who is mentioned in Jason that Alexander. Yes, Jason, Jason Alexander. Alexander. So I thought probably, that was an interesting. That would have been an interesting tidbit. He, he probably made more money doing Seinfeld. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Jason <laughs> Alexander is the greatest actor of our time. And with that said, uh, let's roll a clip from Scent of a Woman and get a little taste of how good Al Pacino is. I'm going to recommend to the disciplinary committee that you be expelled. Mr. Sims, you are a cover-up artist, and you are a liar. But not a snitch! Excuse me? No, I don't think I will. Mr. <laughs> Slade. This is such a crock of shit! <laughs> Please watch your language, Mr. Slade. You are in the Baird School, not a barracks. Mr. Sims, I will give you one final opportunity to speak on. Mr. Sims doesn't want it. He doesn't need to be labeled. 
still worthy of being a bad man. What the hell is that? What is your motto here? Boys, inform on your classmates. Save your hide. Anything short of that, we're gonna burn you at the stake? Well, gentlemen, when the shit hits the fan, some guys run and some guys stay. Here's Charlie facing the fire and there's George hiding in Big Daddy's pocket. And what are you doing? You're gonna reward George and destroy Charlie. Are you finished, Mr. Slade? No, I'm just getting warmed up. <laughs> I don't know who went to this place. William Howard Taft, William Jennings Bride, William Tell, whoever. Their spirit is dead, if they ever had one. It's gone. You're building a rat ship here. <laughs> a vessel for seagoing snitches. And if you think you're preparing these minnows for manhood, you better think again. Because I say you are killing the very spirit this institution proclaims it instills. What a sham. What kind of a show are you guys putting on here today? I mean, the only class in this act is sitting next to me. And I'm here to tell you, this boy's soul is intact. It's non-negotiable. You know how I know? Someone here, and I'm not going to say who, offered to buy it. Only Charlie here wasn't selling. Sir, you're out of order. Out of order? I show you out of order. <laughs> you don't know what out of order is, Mr. Trask. I'd show you, but I'm too old. I'm too tired. I'm too fucking blind. If I were the man I was five years ago, I'd take a flamethrower to this place. Yeah, out of not... order. Who the hell do you think you're talking to? I've been around, you know. There was a time I could see, and I have seen, boys like these, younger than these, their arms torn out, their legs ripped off. But there is nothing like the sight of an amputated spirit. There is no prosthetic for that. You think you're merely sending this splendid foot soldier back home to Argonne with his tail between his legs, but Argonne. I say you are executing his soul! And why? Because he's not a bad man. Bad men. You hurt this boy, you're gonna be bad bums. The lot of you. And Harry, Jimmy, Trent, wherever you are out there, fuck you too! <laughs> So that there, ladies and gentlemen, is Frank Slade. And as my father once told me many decades ago, well, just about three decades ago, to be exact, <laughs> that that there is a real man. And I'll tell you what, you get a scene and you tell Al Pacino, we would like for you to yell a little bit in this scene. And he, he's like, okay, I got no problems with that. I can do it. I don't want to do it, but I, but, I, but I can do it. Put me in, coach. He's like, it. if you allow me to yell and cuss, then I will sell the scene for you, no problem. <laughs> I think the thing about Pacino is about halfway through that, the way he's able to just go from a calm voice to 10,000 RPMs yeah. at once, it's like, oh my God. Is it, he's just one of those guys that can just go from like a nice, calm, I'm telling you how it is, but now you pissed me off and now I'm going to tell you something else. You know what I mean? It's, it's wild. And the pauses, like, yes. you almost like they're calculated pauses because 
Like even like, when you're watching it and you're like, is he forgetting his lines? Like, no, he's waiting. And I would imagine, yes. I mean, that just shows you the skill of, you know, I'm, I'm going to go from zero to a hundred back to zero pause. Mm-hmm. Wait again. And then, you know, I mean, just let like, it settle all, all that <laughs> stuff. And it kind of the same thing we were talking about with the previous scene of just the artistry to do that. I mean, there's a reason why only a handful of people can do this stuff. I mean, acting yeah. is acting, but to be able to pull up, especially like a monologue like that. I mean, that's a monologue. Yeah. You're you're by yourself besides the one guy banging the hammer every once in a while. That's it. So, I mean, I'll say Chris O'Donnell, the guy that's sitting next to him in that scene. Again, big kids, go out there and look up these scenes. They're worth watching again. The way that he's looking at Pacino, obviously some of it is him staying in character, but you can tell there's a portion of it that's, God damn, like this guy is destroying this scene. Don't cough, don't sneeze, don't do anything that's going to mess like, this he's scene like, up. I've, he's like, I accidentally farted. <laughs> I, yeah, I got to let one slip. I cannot do it. And then all the, the, the boys that are in the audience of that, could you imagine being uh, cast as an extra and just being able to be there yeah. and like see that in person? How amazing would that be? And that's what I would love to know. It's kind of the same thing as was that a one or two takes or was that a multiple yeah. take? I would imagine yeah. that one with with so many extras, it was probably a multiple take. But you know what I mean? I would always love to know that stuff. So. Yeah, that's an awesome scene. So I love the I love the battle that's about to be voted on here. Another heavyweight man, a little Philip Seymour Hoffman, a young, very young oh, Philip Seymour Hoffman. Young. Yeah, in there. I, who's I hiding in daddy's in, pocket. I forgot yep. he was in it. When you see him, you're like, who's that twelve year old? You're like, <laughs> <laughs> and then like ten years later, he looked God like he's sixty. So. Yeah, R.E.P. Buddy, R.E.P. Yeah, all right, big kids everywhere. It's time to vote for the third and final round of today's show. We have two nominees for the 1992 Academy Best Picture Award. A Few Good Men versus Scent of a Woman. Mark, let's go with your vote first there, buddy. I knew you were going to come to me first. (laughs) (sighs) So, like, the hair stands up on my arms for both of these scenes. Honestly, like... Oh man, this Which is, is such a great a... feeling. That's what's awesome <laughs> it, about it is. scenes. It is, and I think shave you know, your again, arms. These, yeah, <laughs> hairy bastard. <laughs> Get rid of those hairs. <laughs> the just the like command of the room, as good as Tom Cruise is, just Jack Nicholson and Al Pacino. Like mm. man, I, I to be in a, an extra in a movie to be in a room with those guys as they explode through some of these scenes would be something special, right? I am going to have to go with Jack, though, on this one. And I think I think the reason is probably partially related to the movie itself and the sense of what you talked about, Big Nick, which was the whole movie, Jack Nicholson is exerting his ego and his dominance over tom cruise from the minute they meet each other mm-hmm. and tom cruise flipping that on him in that scene has to be one of like the most genius moves ever and just like you said the the, the, the i love the line where he says like crystal. do you understand it crystal like he just says it nice and calm like gotcha motherfucker he, 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 it's like he, he lawyered him just enough he's like i know i know it's up gotcha and they one took that scene. 
<laughs> yes, and I have a hard time believing that the scent of a woman scene at the end of the movie there was a one take. I actually have a hard time believing that any of the scenes in Scent of a Woman would be one take, partly because of the character Frank Slade. He's blind. He's never really looking at any of the characters. He pulls off yep. the role perfectly. Pacino does. He he wins Best Actor that year at the Academy Awards. Uh, that's right. He did. Good call. And Jack mm-hmm. Nicholson won Best Supporting Actor, I believe, in the in that year's yep. Academy Awards. So both were very powerful performances. A couple of things I do want to point out here. Uh, I, I do think that the better of the two movies from start to finish would be A Few Good Men for me. It's one of my favorite courtroom drama type movies, and I do like a good courtroom drama. Scent of a Woman has some slow parts to it, but it's a phenomenal movie. I think of iconic scenes, and y- you think of like Pulp Fiction has so many of them, but Scent of a Woman really is a dark horse in that category. It has so many iconic scenes. The Thanksgiving Day scene when he's eating dinner with his relatives and the the scene where he's driving the sports car he's blind mind you he's driving the sports car <laughs> no big deal. and the scene where he dances the tango with that beautiful young lady is incredibly iconic as well so i am going to go the opposite of my friend Ooh. mark here i'm going to go with al pacino and scent of a woman for Ooh. my big kid pick. Awesome. can't hate you for it can't hate you for it hey it's America. It's your vote. So, all That's right. Really. So, Mr. B, B man, is the deciding factor. And Look at all that power in your hands, just like Jack Nicholson sitting on the stand. You got all the you power. You you can't handle this vote. <laughs> you can't handle the vote. <laughs> so, Big Nick, you said everything I would say about Son of a Woman. I so I'm I'm going to have to vote for my man Jack Nicholson. And yeah. it's, it's, Hang on, and let me explain why, though. So, Mark was very clear on a lot of points, but so this scene to me, which even made it more difficult, is you had two people going at it. Yes, yes. Both on their skill level. So, I mean, uh, uh, Al Pacino's was more of a kind of solo performance, you know, with a couple little things. You mean Chris O'Donnell with his jaw gaping open, just staring at Al Pacino (laughs) like he was painting a Michelangelo painting? I mean, even the choreographed, like, yelling. (laughs) I mean, there's a couple times where you can see Kevin Bacon was, like, yelling over top. Yeah. And and I think, like, it almost muffled it. And they're like, no, just go, dude. This is it. And so you got, like, three or four people and the judge, like, all going at it. And that's what, to me, that's what made that scene. Mr. B, I completely agree. It was, it, it's, it, imagine how hard it is to, like, to have one performance is good, but have two, and then and the supporting people being on point, it, yeah. very tricky. So I, I got to go with a few good men as my, my vote, but just because it's just a powerful scene, man. It's just. It's so difficult, man. Yeah. So, oh, it's such good actors. Yeah. I, I'm going to have to go watch all six of these movies yeah. again. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Apparently, we're not going to go to work for like another. Yeah. Like, <laughs> <laughs> we have to work. But uh, yeah, all six of these movies are must watch. And some of them might be older that uh, some of the listeners out there have not seen before. So go back and watch these movies. They're very impressive. Before we wrap up here today, I do want to point out one thing uh, that 
retired NFL great Mike Wallace does not like to be fucked by anybody except for Vanessa Wallace. Okay, yeah. for the record, <laughs> just so we all know. All right, you, we have baby. training day beating out American Gangster Denzel versus himself, and we have Pulp Fiction with the the ultimate executioner jules played by the great samuel jackson beating out and glorious bastards and brad pitt and then we have a few good men with jack and tom coos beating out scent of a woman and al pacino and i'll just throw this out there big nick big kids out there if you guys have suggestions on things you want to see face off let us know tell us about it we'd love to, to cover it for you and if, and if you want Big Nick's phone number, I can get it to you. <laughs> all right. All right. <laughs> and we want to thank all of you big kids out there for listening to The Big Kids Show. Join us back here next week. We'd love to have you. Until then, take care.